Good evening. Julian Assange is another step closer to extradition to the United States to face espionage tra- uh, charges. Did the Kushner family benefit from a quid pro quo with the Saudi crown prince? The shooting of another black man, an independent autopsy, says Patrick Loyoya was shot in the back of the head by a Grand Rapids, Michigan police officer. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. Russia said today it had conducted a first test launch of its Sarmat or Satan intercontinental ballistic missile, a new and long-awaited addition to its nuclear arsenal, which President Vladimir Putin said would make Moscow's enemies stop and think. Putin was shown on television being told by the military that the missile had been launched from Plesetsk in the country's northwest and hit targets in the Kamchatka Peninsula in the far east. The launch was not a surprise for the West, but it comes at a moment of extreme geopolitical tension over the war in Ukraine. Putin says the missile is capable of overcoming all modern means of anti-missile defense. It has no analogs in the world, he added. And a British judge today sent the case of Julian Assange to Interior Minister Priti Patel, Priti Patel who will decide whether the WikiLeaks founder should be extradited to the United States over the release of confidential United States documents. The procedural step in what has been a long-running and high-profile legal battle was announced at a hearing in central London following a March decision to deny the Australian-born Assange permission to appeal against his extradition. WBAI's Rebecca Miles has the story. An order to extradite WikiLeaks publisher Julian Assange was issued to the British Home Secretary Priti Patel on Wednesday by the Westminster Magistrates Court. Patel has four weeks to decide whether to sign the request to send Assange to the US to face espionage and computer intrusion charges for publishing evidence of US war crimes that could land him behind bars for up to 175 years. Assange appeared in court on a video screen from a room in Belmarsh Maximum Security Prison where he's been held since his arrest in 2019 from the Ecuador Embassy where he had political asylum for seven years. He was dressed in a grey suit and tie and seemed more coherent in, than in previous court appearances. Assange was married this month to his partner Stella Morris in a ceremony held inside Belmarsh where the court ordered today he will remain for the next four weeks. Stella Assange spoke outside the courtroom this morning. For, for coming here, uh, supporters and the press, uh, you need to keep your eyes on this case. Uh, today was a formality, but I still felt sick to my stomach about what happened today. A magistrate signing an order to send Julian to the United States. The UK has no obligation to extradite Julian Assange to the United States. In fact, it is required by its international obligations to stop this extradition. Boris Johnson and Priti Patel don't extradite Julian to the country that conspired to murder him. Boris Johnson and Priti Patel can stop this at any time. They can stop it today. They can stop this nightmare today and return Julian to his family. 
they can do the right thing and enforce Article 4 of the U.S.-U.K. Extradition Treaty, which prohibits extraditions for political offenses. Right now, they're in breach of their own treaty. This is a political case, and with the signature of the magistrate, this now passes squarely into the political domain. Free Julian Assange. The court order came after a UK Supreme Court decision last month that declined to hear Assange's appeal of a high court decision to allow the extradition to the United States to proceed. Assange's legal team can appeal to the Home Secretary during the next four weeks and after her decision is made, Assange can make renewed appeal to the High Court as she opts to send him to the United States. Mark Summers, one of Assange's lawyers, told the Westminster Magistrates Court while he was not permitted by rule to present fresh evidence at the present hearing, Assange's legal team would make submissions to Patel on fresh developments in Assange's case. If Patel decides to extradite and if Desange decides to appeal again to the High Court, his lawyers could also challenge parts of the lower court's ruling on issues of press freedom and the political nature of the U.S. charges, which are not allowed in the U.S.-U.K. extradition treaty. Rebecca Miles, WBAI Pacifica Radio, New York. Thanks, Rebecca. Assange, 50, is wanted in the United States on 18 criminal charges, including breaking a spying law after WikiLeaks published thousands of secret U.S. files in 2010. And the Justice Department said today it won't appeal a federal district judge's ruling ending the nation's federal mask mandate on public transit unless the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention believes requirement is still necessary. And a statement released a day after a Florida judge ended the sweeping mandate, which required face coverings on planes and trains and transit hubs. Justice Department spokesperson Anthony Coley said officials believe the federal mask order was a valid exercise of the authority Congress has given CDC to protect the public health. He said it was an important authority the department will continue to work to preserve. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the president will take it one day at a time. We disagreed with the decision immediately. So uh, the immediate steps were to determine uh, what power we had to respond to that. Obviously, that came in the form of the Department of Justice, came in the form of the CDC acting and putting out the statements that they did. But we also don't take photos of flights as data about how the country reacts to issues, whether they're ripping off their masks or not. I mean, our focus here was seeing what power we had to preserve what we felt was in the public health interest of the country. The president's COVID advisors concern that there could be an increase in cases, a spike in cases in the coming weeks because specifically the mask mandate being lifted. I'm not going to make a projection of that because I'm not a doctor. Obviously, they wanted more time because they've seen rising cases and they feel it is in our interest to preserve the mask mandate, even for that short period of time or have the authority moving forward in case cases go up and, and we needed to take that step in the future. And that's uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Major airlines and airports in places like Dallas, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake City quickly switched to a mask optional policy. Los Angeles County dropped its mandate for mass transit, and a train conductor in New Jersey told commuters, feel free to burn them at will. New York City, Chicago, and Connecticut, however, continue to require masks for travelers. And migrants attempting to 
crossed the U.S.-Mexico border at the highest level, are at the highest level uh, in two decades, that's 20 years, as the United States prepares for even larger numbers with the expected lifting of a pandemic-era order that turned away asylum seekers. Jen Psaki answered a question about what happens next from Fox News reporter Peter Ducey, who's been her foil at numerous news conferences. Psaki says, as well, it's up to Congress. Title 42 is not an immigration authority. I will, I will get to your, I will, I will get to your question. I promise, Peter. Um, it is a public health authority. Congress gave the CDC authority to make determinations about when it should be lifted. So right now, we are planning and preparing for the end of Title 42 enforcement on May 23rd. But I would say that there are a range. The president agrees that immigration in our country is broken. It's a system that is broken. There are a range of ideas out there in Congress, Democrats, Republicans, others, some who support a delay of Title 42 implementation, some who strongly oppose it. Uh, and there are a range of other ideas of reforming our immigration system. This would all require congressional action. We're happy to have that conversation with them. Jen Psaki, U.S. authorities have expelled migrants more than 1.7 million times under Title 42 authority, named for a 1944 public health law using the threat of COVID-19 to deny migrants a chance to seek asylum as required under United States law and international treaty. And the New York Times reported a week ago, Jared Kushner secured a $2 billion investment from a fund led by the Saudi crown prince just six months after his father-in-law, Donald Trump, left office as president. Even as a panel that screens investments for the main Saudi sovereign wealth fund cited concerns about the proposed deal with Kushner's newly formed private equity firm, Affinity Partners. Investigative reporter and author Vicki Ward, who penned the book Kushner, Inc., says Kushner was a failure at real estate and he has no experience in finance. But despite the lack of portfolio, Kushner led U.S. foreign policy during the Trump administration as a clock ticked down on a failed Kushner real estate investment on Fifth Avenue. Ward spoke with WBAI today. The fact that Mohammed bin Salman, as was reported by the New York Times, now the Saudi crown prince, has invested $2 billion with Jared Kushner, not even in a real estate business, but in an investment fund where Jared Kushner has absolutely zero track record. It's particularly perplexing because the advisors to the Saudis, the advisors who are very distinguished, informed people with financial backgrounds, advised the Saudis not to make this investment. And yet MBS, the Saudi crown prince, overrode them. What is this $2 billion really for? Why is MBS overriding his financial advisors to invest with Jared Kushner, who has absolutely no track record in the investment space? How did MBS become crown prince over MBN, a relative who seemed to have been deposed? This story kind of got forgotten at the very early months of the Trump administration when, as you say, MBS was not the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, but his cousin, MBN, was. MBN, at that time, knew that he had the backing of the U.S. intelligence community. This man was given a medal by the CIA for saving American lives. Since 9-11, MBN 
gave the CIA the numbers of flights that were carrying terrorist bombs over to the United States. He was considered a massive, a hero and an ally by our intelligence services, what we might call the deep state, very much hoped that he would become the future ruler of Saudi Arabia. He was a moderate, he was somebody we could do business with. But they reckoned without the Trump White House, the influence of Mohammed bin Zayed, the ruler of Abu Dhabi, who viewed MBS as somebody he would prefer to see running Saudi Arabia. MBZ arrived in the Trump transition to start talking to Trump people and met with Jared Kushner. And MBS himself arrived in the Trump White House and met with Kushner and with Trump in March. MBN realized that he was being outmaneuvered. He told people he trusted at the time. This is according to my reporting, but it is also backed up some of it by documents that I have put out earlier this week. And you see in text messages that he was aware because he could listen to intercepts of phone calls between Kushner and MBS. They were discussing the Saudi succession and the MBS knew it was a problem for him. The MBM had the support of the three top American intelligence agencies and that he didn't. MBM said to people, their plan to oust me works. There will at some point be a money trail. I reported just this morning how MBM hired a lobbyist, a guy called Robert Strick, who he thought could get him to Trump. It didn't work within 24 hours. Um, the man who'd signed that contract in Saudi Arabia got locked up in the Saudi court just weeks after that contract, which got ripped up immediately after it was reported. MBN was deposed. MBS was given his job. And the rest is sort of history. Family members were kidnapped, basically. Huh? Yes, that was six months later. And in 2020, MBN disappeared and has not been heard of since. And his right-hand aide, who was also a great friend to CIA directors, also a great hero who saved American lives, a man called Dr. Saad al-Jabri, has been living in exile and is suing MBS and a team of Saudis who, he says, arrived to come and kill him. The point here is that people forget MBS has many reasons to thank Jared Kushner, who he famously had a, a tighter relationship with than he did with Donald Trump. That relationship was more bumpy sometimes than is portrayed, but it was certainly a lot better, by the way, than he has with Joe Biden or any of the Democrats. Jared Kushner, as you say, was incredibly reticent to say anything about the murder of Khashoggi, the Saudi dissident. There were lots of pro-Saudi foreign policy coming out of the Trump White House. But the thing that I think a lot of people possibly forgot, the most important thing that the Trump White House and Jared Kushner did for MBS was to give him his job against, against the judgment of the intelligence agencies. What crimes do you think were committed here? What were the real motives is a question that Congress should be asking. If there are not investigations into this money, I would be shocked. There should be. And that is Vicki Ward. She is the author of Kushner, Inc. and the blog Vicki Ward Investigates at Substack.com. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. There are more developments in the case of Patrick Loyola, 
a refugee from the Democratic Republic of Congo who was pulled over by a police officer in Grand Rapids, Michigan on the morning of April 3rd, allegedly because his vehicle tags didn't belong to the car he was driving. That led to a fight and a shooting within seconds. Do you have a license? For what? I'm stopping you. Do you have a license? What done? No, no. Stop. Stop. Put your hands up. Stop. 1950. Patrick's father called the shooting a murder. I didn't know that here in America kuna kuwa ya mutu kwa kumua. There can be an execution start to kill someone. You see that my, my son has been killed like an animal by this police officer. I'm asking the father said, if you didn't hear it, my son was killed like an animal by this police officer. The shooting, which is recorded on a cell phone, shows the officer chase Loya onto a nearby lawn, wrestle him to the ground, pull his sidearm, and seemingly deliberately shoot the 26-year-old man in the back of the head, causing protests to erupt throughout the Michigan city. The Grand Rapids city manager, who's black, promised an investigation, but seemed to support the police, who themselves promised an investigation of the shooting. As of today, that investigation is still ongoing, and we have not heard the determination from the Michigan State Police or a determination from the prosecutor. But the chief will operate in full transparency to let the public know what he knows of what happened at that time. I urge the state police to prioritize and continue their investigation in an urgent manner. This family, the officer, and our community deserves answers. That's the city manager of Grand Rapids, Michigan, but civil rights lawyer Ben Crump, representing the family, says it's clear Patrick was shot execution style. That is now scientific evidence of this tragic killing and what his family believes was an execution. We concluded that we have to investigate thoroughly whether this is a DWB. We know in the African-American community as the classic driving while black profiling case. From the second that he pulled the weapon until he shot and killed Patrick was milliseconds as as ben said never gave a verbal warning which is required under the federal law and that was the lawyers for the family an independent forensic doctor hired by the family used a human skull to illustrate how the bullet entered patrick's head what i have here is a skull a human skull not uh, fake no this is from a dead body what i did i made a hole where the bullet wound of entrance was situated in the back of the head yeah. to visualize this with a drill i made a hole in the back of the head and showed put a probe into the hole and guided the probe from the back 
here where you can see the probe going into the back of the head and out in the right side up, up a little higher than the entrance wound and at that point another hole that I made because the bullet went through the bone and lodged under the skin. The skin is elastic, stretched, lost its velocity of the bullet because the bullet stretched the skin in the temple area. At that moment, the bullet stopped. When I did the uh, autopsy, the findings were, as I stated, there's no question what killed this young man. The young man, by the way, was only 26 years old. He uh, weighed an estimated 150 pounds. The bullet entered in the back of the head and below. While Michigan State Senator Erica Geis called for justice. This morning, the findings from the independent autopsy results of the slain Patrick Leoya were presented at a press conference. And they indicated that Patrick Leoya was shot in the back of the head. It was the only wound. No matter the circumstances around the reasons for the misdemeanor traffic stop, it must be reiterated that execution is not the punishment for such an infraction. This kind of police brutality against community members, especially black and brown people, is long documented. We keep seeing it. We keep reliving the trauma. We keep nibbling around the edges of actual reform. But here in Michigan, we have this huge bill package and Judiciary Committee that could address many of the issues that led to yet another unarmed black man being inexcusably murdered at the hands of law enforcement. And that's Michigan State Senator Erica Geis. At a community meeting, a child expressed her frustration with the continuing violence against black people in America. I am black and I don't have the right to deserve to die if I, if somebody tried to kill me, I am black so come kill me, I bet you won't. And do I know if I'm going to ever be able to live my whole life? Because of every single one of y'all want to let these people come around and kill people for no reason. They did anything, to, they did not do anything to y'all. I am done with y'all. Kent County Prosecutor Chris Becker is reviewing evidence and will decide whether to bring charges against the officer, a seven-year veteran who's in place on paid leave while the investigation takes place. I once again ask the community for patience in this matter, Becker said today after the footage was released. This is an extremely critical incident and one that everyone involved in the investigation is taking very seriously. And today is April 20th, known worldwide as 420. The time in the afternoon, a couple of high school kids would meet for a joint in a suburban Oregon town. Although marijuana has been legalized in many states, both recreationally and for medical use, it remains a federal crime. Although President Biden has promised to change the laws, Jen Psaki addressed the issue today. 
no one should be in jail uh, because of drug use. Uh, I don't have an update here. Uh, we are continuing to work with Congress. But what I can say on marijuana is we've made some progress um, on our promises. For instance, the DEA just issued its first licenses to companies to cultivate marijuana for research purposes after years of delay during the prior administration. This is a key step in promoting research because it broadens the amount and quality of cannabis available for research purposes. Additionally, the president's continuing to view his clement, review his clemency powers, which is something he also talked about on the campaign and is certainly remains committed to taking action on. So he remains committed to what he said during the campaign that uh, people charged with marijuana-related offenses, number one, everybody gets out, record expunged. Well, again, he's reviewing his clemency powers. That's exactly what that looks like. Um, I don't have any updates or previews beyond that. And cannabis is popular in New York City. Street singer David Peel made his statement in Washington Square Park many times over the years. And friends of the late singer will gather tonight at the Parkside Lounge on East Housen Street in Manhattan until midnight. Everyone is invited to attend. And that's some of the news for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. The news produced with Linda Perry, our engineers, Reggie Johnson from New York City, the smoke in his town on the East Coast. I'm Alder Yenzo. Thanks for listening.